Hello, this is Emma from Real Life Ghost Stories, obviously, and this isn't an ad, I promise. A few weeks ago, we were contacted by Sammy from Out of the Woods Wildlife Rescue and Rehabilitation. Sammy saw that there was a need for licensed rehabilitators in the Memphis area of Tennessee and set about creating Out of the Woods Wildlife Rescue and Rehabilitation. This autumn, the centre will open and take in squirrels, raccoons, foxes, opossums, cryptids and some species of birds. It costs around $250 to rehabilitate a baby raccoon and get them strong and fit enough to be released back into the wild. And unfortunately, there is little to no governmental assistance for projects such as this. We'll be donating money to Out of the Woods Wildlife, and if you have the means or desire to donate money, you can too. Each person that donates to the GoFundMe in the month of August will have the chance to win Real Life Ghost Stories merchandise of their choice, And we'll pick five winners at random. It doesn't matter how big or small your donation is because every little helps and you still get an equal chance to win some merchandise. We know that it's a difficult time financially for lots of people. So like always, there's no pressure to donate. But if you still want to help out, liking, following and sharing on social media is also a meaningful way to help small projects grow. Go and follow at Out of the Woods Wildlife on Instagram and check out outofthewoodswildlife.org for links to the GoFundMe and any information that you could want or need. The links for everything will be in the description of each episode of 30 Days of Terror and I'll be playing this little message every five episodes or so. I hope you enjoy today's episode. And welcome to 30 Days of Terror Day 25. Only six more left, including this one. It's very exciting. I mean, it is exciting, but they might be sad that they're getting to the end. They might be fucking delighted. They might be delighted. They've probably heard enough of us, to be fair. So I've got three stories for you today. And our first story comes from T. My experiences began on my 18th birthday in 2005. I'd been taken in by my best friend's parents while I was still in high school after finding myself without any place to go nearly a year prior. I'd spent the last two years constantly at their house and never had anything happen to me prior to my 18th birthday. That being said, my friend and I had gone out drinking at a party the night prior and came back to my friend's parents' house in the early morning with a decent buzz. His father was a very old school ball buster who would find different ways to punish us for making poor decisions. This time, I caught the short end of the stick. After coming back at nearly 5am, my friend's father woke us up at 7 in the morning for me to build a new pump house enclosure for the hot tub in their backyard. My friend was lucky enough to have a college interview scheduled in Chicago and left with his mother while I began my day of carpentry with a massive hangover in the August heat. After a few hours of working, I had to go to the bathroom and walked into the basement from the backyard and immediately had a shock with my eyes trying to adjust from being in the bright outside to a shaded basement. I walked into the basement 
and turned towards the bathroom near the old-fashioned bar that they had in their basement. As I walked past the bar, I saw a woman in a white dress and white hair appear behind the bar. It made my heart skip a beat, and as soon as I blinked and looked again she was gone. I initially figured it was a trick of the eyes from being in the sun for so long, and then coming to a dim basement. Or maybe it was the result of heavy drinking from the night before. A few weeks later things really started to happen. My friend's parents' house, in which I was now a resident, consisted of my friend's father, mother, twin sister, two yellow Labradors, him and myself. My friend was working as a prep cook at a restaurant, and his sister worked at a pet groomer, but would often be out later with friends after work. One night I was in the basement playing an Xbox game at around 10. Everyone was at home and asleep except myself and my friend's sister who hadn't come home yet. I heard the front door open, and my friend's sister's keys jingle and her close the door, lock the deadbolt and start to walk through the first floor over the hardwood floor. After a few minutes I heard her steps start to go up to the second floor and decided to see if she wanted to chat and have a quick smoke. I started to go up the basement stairs that didn't have a door on either end and came up to an open floor plan on the first floor. As I reached the top of the basement stairs, I had forgotten about the coffee can full of coins that was sitting at the top of the stairs. I bumped into it and it made a decent noise. I stopped and listened, worried that I had possibly been loud enough to wake my friend's parents. I waited a second and heard footsteps on the second floor, and then my friend's mother started talking in a whisper, and my friend responding to her, and then the conversation stopped and my friend's mom walked back to her room. I felt bad that I'd woken half the house up, but I figured what was done was done. I went to the kitchen, grabbed a glass of water and proceeded upstairs to see if his sister wanted to grab a smoke. I tapped on her door and there was no answer. I tapped again and nothing. From the hall in the second floor there was a massive glass window that showed the front yard and driveway. I looked over through the window and realised that my friend's sister's car was not in the driveway. I started to get an uneasy feeling and decided to open her bedroom door. I opened the door and turned on the light and the room was empty. I almost ran over to my friend's room and opened his door. His room was empty. I ran to his parents' room and I could see both of his parents deeply sleeping, snoring, and both dogs also sleeping on the bed. About a week later I was in the basement laying on the couch and watching a movie. Many nights my friend's mother would wake up at some point to let the dogs outside and have a cigarette while they were there. Most of the time, when this happened, and if she saw the lights of the TV on in the basement, she would come down to make sure none of us fell asleep downstairs with the electronics on. I was laying down on the couch watching a movie and could hear my friend's mom walking down the stairs from the top floor and walking into the laundry room. After about 10 minutes I heard steps coming down the stairs and walk into the basement and walk up behind me while I was laying on the couch. From where I was laying I couldn't see who was behind me due to the high back of the couch. But I could feel what I thought was my friend's mother behind me. I figured she was checking up on me to make sure I was still awake and started to watch what I was watching for a quick minute. After a few minutes, 
I felt a hand start rubbing my head. It felt like a very motherly, caring touch. After about a minute of this, I asked if I had the volume up too loud. And when I asked the question, the hand stopped rubbing my head. I asked again a little louder, thinking I might have mumbled the question. And again, there was no response. I sat up and looked behind me and there was no one. I bolted up the stairs to the second floor and both of my friend's parents were in their room deep in a sleep snoring. I opened my friend's door about to lose my shit and he was in bed asleep as well. I ran to his sister's room and she was also asleep and I did not sleep much that night. A few weeks later I was in the basement and came upstairs to get a glass of water in the kitchen. While filling up my glass from the fridge spout I saw someone out of the corner of my eye take off down the hallway and run past the kitchen and into the laundry room that was on the other side of the wall from the kitchen. There wasn't any noise from the footsteps, but I saw this as clear as day. What made this worse was I had a hoodie on the banister to the stairs, with the hood draped over the end knob. About a second after this thing ran down the hallway, the breeze that was caused by whatever was running past caused my hoodie to lift up and fall off the banister. I ran around the corner to the laundry room and nothing was there. The next day, as the sun was going down, I was in the kitchen and was talking to my friend's mother. To this point, I had not yet shared my experiences with anyone in or out of the house. As we were talking, I saw something out of the corner of my eye on the stairs leading to the second floor and looked towards it. When I looked over, I saw a beautiful, short, middle-aged woman with beautiful dark hair. I looked at her and she looked at me. She was standing on the stairs halfway up and appeared to be listening and watching our conversation. Again, when I blinked, she was gone. At this point, I decided to tell my friend's mom what I had been experiencing in the house the last few months. I described the woman in white, the hand on the head, the running figure, and the woman on the stairs that happened only minutes ago. Once I described the woman on the stairs, she went to her husband's office and came back with a family photo album. She turned a page and pushed it to me. Hand to God and on my children, the photo she pushed in front of me was the woman I had seen only minutes before. I explained this to her and she laughed, and then told me it was her grandmother, who she had been close to as a child before she passed away. We spent the next several hours talking about her grandmother and what I had been experiencing in the house. Over the next few months I would see a brief side vision of a woman in white pass by the basement doors leading out to the backyard of their house. I would also get quick glances of what I believed to be my friend's great-grandmother from time to time. All these experiences, once I took a step back and realised what I thought I was seeing, were in a way very calming. It felt like there were spirits keeping an eye on myself and my friend's family and I almost felt honoured that I could see what others couldn't and the experiences stopped scaring me and started making me feel like I was being watched over. The feeling lasted until the next summer when something else entered the mix. It started during one of the hottest days of the summer of 2006. The air conditioning was on in the house but I liked fresh air at night in my room. 
I would tuck a towel under my bedroom door at night before opening my bedroom windows so as not to waste the AC in the house. That night, I woke up at 3.33 in the morning, freezing my ass off. A loud bang in the room woke me up. I sat up in my bed and listened. There was nothing, but I felt like someone was in the room watching me. I can't explain that kind of uneasy feeling. I felt like I was eight years old with a monster under the bed, and this kept happening every few nights for the next few weeks. That late September, things started to get more uneasy when no one else was around in the house. One time, within minutes of having the house to myself, the younger yellow lab started going nuts in the living room. He jumped off the couch where he was sleeping and ran to my friend's dad's office with his heckles up. I followed him into the office. He ran around the desk, baring his teeth and backed into a corner. My friend's father's desk chair started spinning and it looked like someone had jumped out of it and set it off spinning. The dog then ran out of the office as it followed someone and started sidestepping side to side, barking while seeming to force something into a corner of the living room. What made me even more uneasy during this was the dog's head was tilted back so far it seemed as though he was keeping eyes on something that was nine or ten feet tall. He would bark but every few seconds nipped down as if trying to snap at someone's feet. After about two minutes of this, the dog's head turned, as though whatever it was took it off in a sprint. When this happened, there was a huge rush of air, like a large breeze going past me in the house. And then everything returned to normal. I like the great-grandmother story. In the end, it turns out alright. But I mean, imagine not getting that vindication. So you keep hearing people and keep expecting to see people coming in and then there's not anybody. Keep seeing flashes of this yeah. woman running around the house. Yeah. That's getting into the realms of alien and fear, isn't it? Of nobody um, believing you. Of nobody believing you, not of there being aliens. I thought you were going to say about no, aliens no, no. running around the house. I was like, no, thank you. No, no. Like if, of nobody believing you because like if, you, if it just constantly happens and you just, you know, you're hearing people come in and have a little conversation and then it turns out there's nobody there. You're seeing these women walking around the house. There's nobody there nobody believes you why would you not just go and have trouble with that i have to be really frank you your foot just brushed my leg under the table and i was like that's it something's gonna grab me (laughs) drag me under the table into a portal into the beyond i think the second one might have been an alien eh? i forget no one can see my face yeah it has very alieny vibes doesn't it yeah quite like yeah just there one minute gone the next but that dog is scrapping with something physical right yeah Moral of the story is that everyone should have a dog. Yeah, that's true. I actually also like the idea that an alien has crept into this house just to sit on the desk chair. I'd like to imagine that he's got his feet up on the desk and everything and then the dog comes in and scares the crap out of him and he does a runner. And he's definitely gone back to his other alien pals and been like, listen, the dog thing was shit, but my God, we need to get some desk chairs up in this spaceship. (laughs) And our second story today comes from Final Dead Echo. I want to give you a little bit of background to start. I'm a male, 25, born in May. Yay, Taurus. I was born in Zacatecas in Mexico, but I came to the US when I was four or five years old. From what I can understand, my mom, being from Durango in Mexico, her side of the family 
have always been into witchcraft type stuff and have a Bruharia background and are heavily Catholic as well. Since I was little, I grew up very close to my mom, at the time being the youngest as my sister hadn't arrived yet for a few years. And so I grew up with a strong Catholic faith as well. Since I was little, my aunt had always given me little cards of a saint called Santo Nino de Atocha, and my aunts have always prayed for him to be with me. He's essentially a saint that protects people and helps little kids. Since as far back as I can remember, I've always had a specific card of him. I remember being younger, fourth grade-ish, and going to places like Walmart or grocery stores, and always misplacing or dropping the card, only to find it later on at home or in my pockets again, even though I've had flipped my pockets inside out. I was very attached to this card, not just because I heavily believed in the saint being my guardian angel, which till this day I still think is true, but also because it came from my Aunt Maria, who I love so very much, so it had a very sentimental attachment. There was one moment that I do remember fairly vividly. I was about 10 years old, and my family at the time, my older brother, my mother, my father and I, went on a trip to the Indiana Dunes with my cousin, her two daughters and her son. We spent the next two days there, had a hotel close by and everything. I remember taking my card with me, and having it the entire time we were there, even taking it to the beach with me, and into the water, since my swimming trunks came with a pocket. I recall this because my mother gave me shit, saying I was going to end up losing it, and she didn't want to hear me cry about it later. The next day, when we were packing and it was time to go, I remember being in the bedroom, and setting my card on top of the toilet tank. Honestly, this card never left my side. I always take a massive amount of time in the bathroom and so my family began knocking on the door. So I cleaned up in a rush and forgot that I had left my beloved card in the bathroom. We leave and start to head home when approximately 15 minutes or so into the drive back home I remember. Make a fuss, throw a tantrum and force my cousin to turn back and go to the hotel. We arrive and to my surprise it's nowhere to be found. I cried to my mother and my family, but they rationalise it as somebody has probably already came in and took it or cleaned up, even though it was clear that no one had been there yet, and everything was as messy as we left it. Everyone found it weird since they had all seen that I had had it throughout the trip, as well knowing that the card had never left my side, but they just brushed it off. The whole ride home I kept being so upset and thinking about how my aunt was going to be mad and I just kept praying to my saint and to Jesus to please help me find my card that it can't be lost, it couldn't be lost. I cried the entire ride home. Once we got home, we unpacked and went to sleep. You know how I said my mother was very religious? Well, she has a whole altar with all of the saints that she prays to, as well as her Bible. The next day, I remember waking up early and having to use the bathroom. I heard a weird sound coming from the living room and when I walk towards her altar I see that my card is propped up leaning against my saint's little statue that we have. And I know you'll say it's as simple as my mother or someone in my family taking it to teach me a lesson but my family isn't the type to do that. They're very respectful people. I told my mom, swearing my life to it and she just smiled and said I was too young to understand 
but that that saint loves all little kids and if there's ever a little one in need, in need more than I was, it leaves to help them but always returns. And that was the beginning of everything. When I was about 12 years old, I remember seeing the trailer for the movie Small Soldiers and being so excited to see it. I was always frightened of dolls, ever since my brother let me watch Chucky when I was about three or four years old. I was amazed that this movie didn't freak me out. And maybe because it's action figures instead of dolls, it was okay. So after watching the movie, I fell in love and had to have Chip, the main protagonist toy, the little bulldog looking one. So my father ended up buying it for me. I loved the toy and I played with it every day. We loved to play hide and seek. I remember always hearing little knocks whenever I would get close and that's how I knew where he was. Now being younger, I didn't really think much of it. And to be quite honest, I always thought it was my imagination from seeing the movie. This went on for about a week or two. At the time we lived in this townhouse in a suburban area of Chicago, Illinois. The way my room was set up was that when you came in, the window was right across my door. My closet is immediately to the left and the TV is to the right, with my bed in front of the TV. I had a small chair that I always left him on in my room when it was time to go asleep. Then one night, the knocking started. Now, I'm a deep sleeper. I sleep like a log. Until these nights happened. At first, it wasn't anything major. I would wake up anywhere from 1 to 4 a.m. It was always a different time, but most nights it would be somewhere around 3. The first night, I woke up at midnight. I know this because I have a habit till this day that if there is a clock in my general vicinity and I can see it easily, I look at it constantly and when I enter the room it's the first thing I do. I'm always really conscious of being on time. Anyway, I notice it's midnight and as I see the time I start hearing a very light knocking on my bed's headrest, literally right behind my ear. I'm an extremely curious person and my curiosity has helped me push through some traumatic moments when dealing with this stuff. I turn around, but there was nothing there. At the time in this home, at the other side of the wall, was my mother's shrine thing, so I knew it was in my room, and I heard it as clear as day in my ear. I listened, but nothing happened and I fell asleep, and this continued for about three consecutive nights. One night, it happens again, except this time it's 3.03am. I remember because I found it weird that right when I noticed that it was 3.03, I heard three very light knocks on my door, and then little footsteps leaving and running downstairs. I wasn't scared at the time, but then I turned around and saw that my action figure was gone. He wasn't in his chair in my room. At that moment, I got goosebumps and I felt so uneasy. I creep out of my room and make sure not to wake up my mother. She wakes up at Annie Creek, so I creeped out into the hallway and as I do, I heard this small creak like a door gently being closed, just barely letting out a sound that one typically wouldn't notice. My fear has officially peaked having seen Chucky all those years ago and having all the Chucky scenarios going through my mind. Yet somehow, my curiosity got the better of me. 
So I headed downstairs and I see nothing in the living room. I continue downstairs. I'm slowly walking into the hallway that leads into my kitchen and have the biggest feeling of unease ever. I get into the kitchen and hear rustling by the cabinets under the sink. The way my cabinets worked was that although we had separate doors, it was all hollow, meaning that if you stuck your head inside you could literally see all the way across. I go and I slowly open the cabinet door and nothing was there. So me being small and being stupidly curious, I stuck my head inside the corner cabinet. That way I know my left side will have nothing and all I will have to do is look at my right and I'll be able to see and move without any worry of what's behind me. I peek as much as I can while slowly leaning into the cabinet. I finally get my entire head inside and get a good look and at the very far corner I see Chip. He's looking away from me and as I realise that it's my action figure it seemed to slowly turn its head towards me. Oh no 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 no. I kid you not I pissed myself and I ran upstairs as fast as I could inside my room and locked the door. I woke up the next morning and I got scolded for leaving my toy on the sofa when I was told to clean up. I tried to explain everything that happened, but my mum just made a weird face and sent me to my room, saying that I've always had an overactive imagination to take my toy and put it away in my room. As I get to my room, I can hear my mother in the kitchen praying. I got curious and I went downstairs, leaving my doll in the room with the door closed. I asked my mom why she was praying and she said my boy I've never liked how this house has felt so I'm cleansing it and sent me back upstairs. As I reach the top I can see my door is creaked open and I instantly get the chills. I slowly walk up to the door and push it open and and my toy again isn't in his chair but he's on my bed with his head turned facing the door. I freak out and go downstairs I don't know why I didn't say anything to my mother, but I just didn't. That night I say I have enough and I throw the toy away. We had just taken the trash out and kept it in the backyard. So I went out the back and threw it into the bag and then back inside the bin. The entire walk from my bed to the trash can, I had this overwhelming pressure on my body and had to use every fibre of my being to force myself to keep going. It felt like something was right there behind me holding on to me. I finally get there and I manage to throw the doll out once and for all. As I go back inside, I have this feeling that someone is watching me. And as I get to the stairs, my curiosity yet again strikes. And I lean over the rails and see a black shadow at the kitchen windows next to the trash bins. I run upstairs, into my room, lock my door and cover myself with blankets until I fall asleep. The next day I was woken by my mum frantically knocking at my door cursing her head off about how many times they've said not to lock the doors because no one has keys for them. I apologise and she smacks me in the back of the head and says hurry up now you'll be late for school. So I run downstairs and grab my backpack. As I swing my backpack on I turn to the sofa and I freeze. The fucking doll is on the sofa facing me. As this happens my mom comes up from behind me and says I found him on top of the trash bins outside what was he doing out there? I freak out and start to cry. I tell my mother everything that has happened. She looks sceptical at first and tells me to go to school. 
I get home later that day and I see it's still there. My mother ends up making me keep the doll one more night. She puts it in my room and closes the door. Surprise, surprise, I wake up at 3.03 again, except this time I wake up to see my door close. I jump out of bed and see that the doll is missing and I open my door shaking. I wanted to know exactly where it was. I didn't like it not knowing and being in fear of everything. So I go looking again. As I approached the stairs, I leaned over the rails to catch a glimpse of a shadow moving in the living room. I run into my mother's room and wake her up and as I do so, she hears the noise, grabs her rosary and says to stay there. But me being the fool I am, I followed behind her as she went downstairs. When she got to the bottom, she noticed I was there. So she said to stay close behind and not turn around no matter what. As we got close to the end of the stairs, she tried to turn on the lights, but none of the switches would work. We made our way slowly into the kitchen, where we heard rustling coming from. I got this feeling that we were being watched, and as I looked at the corner cabinet, I could see it shut. So I point at it and my mom whispers some words and opens the door. And lo and behold, the fucking doll is right there. I looked at my mom and I say, you see, I told you so. I wasn't making this up. And she replies by smiling and throwing out the doll and leaving the trash outside in the bin again. My mother then sends me to my room. And from my room, I go to the vent and can hear my mother whispering. I can tell their prayers and I can also hear a very faint growling noise. When I hear that, I freak out and I go to bed. The next day, I wake up and go to school, and I go and talk to my mom. She says she took out the trash earlier, when the garbage men got there, and I didn't have to worry about the toy again, and that we wouldn't be getting any more dolls again. And sure enough, I never saw that stupid doll again. I feel your pain with the dolls. I would just say that... In many ways, Small Soldiers is a more traumatic film than Chucky because it's about a whole range of toys that come to life and try to kill their owners. I haven't seen either of those films. Small Soldiers is billed as a kid's film. It is violent. It is scary. It is about toys that come alive. If you were going to buy a doll from that film, Chip Hazard is not the one I would have bought because he is the bad guy. He's the one that's leading the violence. I would have gone for Archer personally. A little bit more peaceful. The good guy. Probably wouldn't have haunted your house. Probably wouldn't have haunted Fuck your house. Fuck shit up. But yeah, I'm not I'm not with that. I could picture it turning its head and running around your house. It's very Chucky-esque in the way that it was doing things. I like the story of the card. Being reunited with its own all the time. That's cool. I like that too. I'm going to focus on that and forget about the evil dolls that are trying you to kill do you. That. Mm. I've got one more story for you today. Okie dokie. And story number three comes from Soraya. My mum and dad went for Sunday lunch the other day at an old friend's house that they haven't seen for absolutely ages. When they got there, this bloke was sitting at the table and they were introduced and hit it off with him straight away. This guy was apparently so cool. He's this stuntman and has done all these Hollywood movies, which initially my mum doubted, so she had a sneaky Google to check that he wasn't just some nutter. Sure enough, everything he was telling them was true. I won't disclose the guy's name due to the nature of the story, but I've googled him myself and he's the real deal and has worked with pretty much every director and actor in Hollywood. And then stuff got spooky. He told my mum and dad how his son was in the US Army and has worked in Area 51. But he also said that he has experienced aliens himself. 
he started telling them about Noraliens, tall, blonde and Nordic looking extraterrestrial beings who had integrated into society and bred with humans to the point that there are so many people walking around today who are unknowingly part alien. Apparently, they're all extremely beautiful and attractive, which made me seriously question the origins of the Skarsgård family. Apparently, in Area 51, they were also known to replace humans like for like, so they would assume the form of an existing human, then remain on Earth while the real human was sent back to wherever the aliens had come from, and no one would ever tell the difference. It's all very invasion of the body snatchers, but my usually very sceptic and sensible mum said that he had her convinced. She worked in mental health for almost 20 years and has this incredible sense of when people are lying or mentally unwell. And she said that this guy really seemed like he was telling the truth. She literally told me this today and I had to email you straight away. It's one of the maddest things I've ever heard and I'm currently sitting in my bed shitting a brick in case I get replaced by an alien. Ooh, aliens and changelings crossing over. I've read about Nor aliens before. It's a very well-talked-about theory about aliens. Would you believe I haven't read about it and I will not be reading up on it? <laughs> well, at least you've got one story each that's creepy. Yours was considerably shorter than mine, though. Yeah. Mine was really ramming home Thanks, the point. Thanks, guys. <laughs> but yeah, it's, um, it's got to be happening, isn't it? No, it just doesn't. It, ju- it does not have to be happening at all. <laughs> And I'm absolutely, I'm going to say, I'm sorry, Saria, I'm going to say that guy is full of shit because if I don't say that, I you will not say that it's yeah. true. Yeah, fair enough. And I'm not, I'm not going to look into it. I'm not going to research it. I'm not going to listen to any interviews with anyone who allegedly has worked in Area 51. I don't, I'm not going to, I'm sorry. I'm going to put it out there that Area 51 is not the place where they take aliens because I feel like Area 51 is just too public. I think they probably test military weapons that they don't want people to see there, but I think the aliens go somewhere else. I'm not get, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going getting into for this. for a military base in Colorado, if there is one. Oh, random. I thought you were going to be like, I'm going for the street that we live on. <laughs> yeah, so that's my theory. I'm moving on. If you enjoyed today's episode, I'm not entertaining this. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can find everything you need to know about us on reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. You, except if you're an alien, in which case you're, you're no aliens allowed on that website. You don't need to know anything about us. Thank you very much. Do you get the intergalactic listening figures? No, because I don't want to see them. <laughs> I don't want to see those bad boys. I don't want to know who's listening from Jupiter. What a shit planet. It's the biggest planet. How could it be shit? <laughs> yeah, but the, you, you know, as far as we're aware, it doesn't support life because it's like made of... Is that the one that's like made of fucking gas? gas? Yeah. Yeah. Unless they're gas aliens. Not getting into this. Gas aliens. And... <laughs> what a gas alien. Support our Patreon. <laughs> send us emails and please donate to Out of the Woods Wildlife Rescue and Rehabilitation if you are financially in a position to do so. And on that note, we shall see you tomorrow. Bye.
Since I was little, my aunt had always given me little cards of a saint called Santo Nino. Santo, San, Santo Nino. Fuck me. Th- this person has actually written everything phonetically for me too and I, my mouth oh, okay. just will not make the sounds. Let's try that again. Santo Nino de Oh. Ache. I have to get this right. Santo Nino de Atocha. Atocha. De Atocha. Santo Nino de Atocha. Santo Nino de Atocha. 